everybody and welcome to the Hardcore Finance Show with Alex and Shimon. How are you doing, Alex? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. You know, I'm very excited about uh, today's episode because we've been in a funk. The markets have been in a funk. Uh, the U.S. lost the World Cup. So, you know, everything's just in a funk. So I have some good news. Good news for us uh, for a change. Are they funky news? Uh, they might be funky. They, uh, they could be funky, but, uh, for now they're just, uh, based. <laughs> okay. Tell what, what are the good news? Okay. I want to hear some good news. The good news is, uh, I'll take a step back and talk about the whole idea of AI. So, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, for those of you uh, that don't know, we usually don't go into too deep into topics, uh, that are technical because, uh, I'm not a technical person, but, uh, I'm an, AI aficionado. I, uh, I read a lot about it. I even taught myself Python in order to be able to program some AI uh, because I really think that this is one of the most important technologies that uh, humanity is working on right now. And, uh, you know, I, I'll never know it well enough, you know, to be paid to do it as a programmer. But I think that my knowledge is basically enough to understand, like, what's what are the possible implications of this technology? So what I wrote is a script that basically takes all of Wikipedia as <coughs> text. It's like 13 gigabytes of pure text if you ignore all the images. And you can give it like a, a term. And it will give you the three terms that are most related to that term, but it's not trivial. It's like, for example, I gave it Bill Clinton and it was like Hillary Clinton, George Bush and Monica Lewinsky, you know, came up. And what's really cool is that like, you don't have to tell it what's the strength of the connection between two terms. It just knows based on links and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, Shimon, the AI aficionado has been following very uh, closely all the stuff that's happening with OpenAI. Uh, OpenAI is a company uh, that is working on the cutting edge. Uh, did they do the AlphaGo stuff? I, I always get confused. There's OpenAI. That's AI. Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OpenAI is mostly Microsoft uh, and and like a couple of uh, firms. Yeah, so you have two very big teams. One of them is the AlphaGo uh, team, Deep DeepMind, maybe it was. Anyway, yeah, DeepMind by Google, and they do a bunch of uh, of really cool things. Uh, and then there's another uh, team at OpenAI that basically came up with something called GPT three, which is a way to generate text. Uh, to generate text, and why is generating text really important? Because you know, Elon Musk is saying that. The, the biggest problem that we have with enhancing our intelligence is the bandwidth between our mind and our devices, right? So like in our device, you have to type, you know, or whether it's a keyboard or a phone or it's, it's very, very slow. So even if the AI is really good at, at helping us, you know, as long as you have to kind of uh, the interface, which is like really, really slow, it's not very useful economically. So what GPT-3 did is just like, uh, enabled to manipulate text. And once you manipulate text, you can do really cool things. For example, you know, you have uh, a DALI is another, uh, another algorithm that basically what it does is like, you can give it a prompt and it creates <laughs> an image for you. It's very, it's mind blowing. But with GPT-3, you don't even have to generate the prompt. So you can say, hey, uh, come up with a situation that's like magical. And then it will come up with text that says like, 
a little girl with a basket frolicking through the dark mm -hmm. woods and the stars are shining. So GPT-3 can come up with that stuff and then you can load it into DALI to actually visualize it. So like the text generation stuff has basically mm. been the, the holy grail of AI because like as long as you cannot generate text, you're always limited by the bandwidth between your brain and the AI system. So... Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm excited about, pretty much. How uh, so? How, so, how... But, but what's but what's the new breakthrough, right? Um, what what's changed lately that you're so excited about? Because we had this a week ago, and we had this two weeks ago. So what's what's changed? Yeah, so we, we actually did not have this. So the idea is to generate text was something that was not done well at all until last week. Uh, you know, it was very bad. You could say, okay, you give it a prompt and it writes like a blog post for you, but that's not very useful. You know, like until yeah. now, GPT-3 could only create just like content for content's sake and their biggest bragging rights were that this, you couldn't tell if it was written by a human or whether it was written by a computer, but it wasn't interesting content. You know what I mean? It wasn't something that adds value to humanity. The, the idea of adding value to humanity Really, the only the, the first time I've seen it, it was with uh, DeepMind. One, they found a way to play Go that was basically yeah. not in any instruction manual ever, and it's better. So this is like a breakthrough. Yeah. Another thing I know they did, they used it to lower the electricity consumption of data centers by like 10% or 17%. So that's like actual economical benefits that you're getting from it, you know? So yeah. what I wanted to show to our listeners is exactly what you asked, what is new. So GPT-3 was able to take a standardized test and answer it correctly. But the crazy part is it's very easy to answer a mathematical equation correctly. But two things happened here. One, the question was in free text. And second of all, the answer was not only in free text, but it was also showing all the steps to arrive to a solution. So for those of you who don't know, many computer algorithms are just like using brute force. And so it's just like, you know, calculating all the possible outcomes and then you choose the one that fits your uh, criteria and you display it. That has been, you know, for many, many years. But I want to read uh, this free text for our, for our listeners. So you can understand the, the, how transforming, uh, how, how basically transformational this, this capability is. So do you mind if I read you the... No, please. Okay. Please, please, the question is, is, Helen rode her bike from home to the river, which is four kilometers away. It took her nine minutes. She rode home using a shorter route at three kilometers. This only took her six minutes. What was Helen's average speed in kilometers per hour for the trip to the river and back, right? So like... If I had put an equation in Excel, super trivial to solve it, but this is what GPT-3 said. And this is all generated from scratch. To find Helen's average speed for the trip to the river and back, we need to first calculate the total distance she traveled. Since the river is four kilometers away from the home and she rode home using a shorter route that was three kilometers long, the total distance she traveled is four kilometers plus three kilometers equals seven kilometers. Next, we need to calculate the total time it took her to make the trip to the river and back. Since it took her nine minutes to ride through the river and six minutes to ride home, the total time it took her was nine minutes plus six minutes equals 15 minutes. 
To convert the time to hours, we need to divide the total time by 60 minutes per hour. Since it took her 15 minutes to make the trip to the river and back, the total time in hours is 15 minutes divided by 60 minutes per hour, 0.25 hours. To find Helen's average speed, we need to divide the total distance by the total time since she traveled the total distance of seven kilometers and it took her 0.25 hours to make the trip. Her average speed was seven kilometers divided by 0.25 hours equals 28 kilometers per hour. Therefore, Helen's average speed for the trip to the river and back was 28 kilometers per hour. Isn't that amazing? That's all from scratch. Natural language explains all the like steps doesn't yeah. do the crazy steps that our computer, it's step <laughs> human can do. And it arrives to the, to the answer. What's, uh, what, what was fascinating to me, there was another example of this open AI where somebody said point of view of a, of a Twitter uh, developer. And they, did you see this with Elon Musk? Did yeah. you, see, you saw this for, yeah. our, for our listeners want to say, so somebody wrote, Hey, whatever, open AI, uh, Elon Musk, you know, is coming to Twitter and he wants to see three lines of code and things that I've done. Can you help me generate something? Can you help me generate ideas of things I would have written code about to be transformational for Twitter? And the, the AI writes like 10 things. You can be ML to do prediction algorithm in this engine, to do that engine. It's, it's actually pretty good things. And then, and then the, the person's like, okay, I, you know, let's say I wrote code for number nine, whatever, uh, machine learning for a better uh, censorship thing, you know, thing to, to filter out uh, bad text. Can you please write code for me for that? And um, whatever in Python. And the AI writes out the code. And then the person writes, thank you. It's great. I really love the code. He's like, I really do. But it's a little bit too simple for me. Can you make the code more complex? And I want this, this, and this. And add maybe these things like enum, enumerating, and, and others. And the AI writes deeper code, more complex code. Same thing. Actual code that somebody, that blew my mind. The other one I saw was, the other one I saw, I'll just say, was <clears throat> somebody's like, hey, I'm entering a, a, a contract, a commercial residential uh, contract, real estate contract for whatever, a two-story building for six years with a one-eight or what, eight years, whatever, with a you know six one-year options at the end. Can you generate that contract for me? And the ads writes a legal paper, okay, for exactly what you're asking it to do. So even white collar developer jobs and legal jobs, a lot of the basic stuff is going to be completely, completely taken over by AI. Why would you go to a lawyer if I could say, hey, AI, can you write me a basic uh, will and testament, right? Or trust agreement, which now costs an average person. Let's say everyone needs a will, just everyone's going to die. So you should have a will. Many people don't have it, and the assets go to the state or whoever. Hey, AI, write me a quick will and file it, and it just does it. Here's what I want the will to basically say. Here's the parameters of the will, <clears throat> and it does it. That's it. That's five grand, and now you brought over people. You're not only saving five grand, you're bringing over all these other people who were completely locked out of the system. It's incredible. It's amazing, and, and what I love about your legal example is that, first of all, it could – at some point, I, I don't think it will replace lawyers. It just makes lawyers so much more productive. You know, a lawyer, instead of having to spend like 10 hours to do something, will be able to do it in 20 minutes because everything will be done by AI and it'll just train the AI. What's really cool about the will, it can figure out, oh, you know what? There was recently a case 
that, you know, the precedent shows this and this and this. So you should add these two provisions. And so it, it yeah. just keep getting better and better. And this is like so important because like uh, once you solve this interface, the reason I had my really long preamble is that once you solve that interface of, of the communication back and forth, I think the learning will just be exponential. Like think about this GPT-3 thing. Once you start putting it instead of customer support representatives, you know, like it will very quickly learn from interacting with customers. And, you know, when it solves the problem, it solves the problem, no, you know, fine. If it doesn't solve the problem, maybe you give customers an, uh, a choice in the voice system. It can be like, look, you can either talk to a real human or talk to the AI and get a $10 Starbucks gift card. And, you know, maybe your experience won't be as good now. And so people can opt into that and train the AI and help it. So then it will just like transform everything. I think this is the first time that I'm seeing like an actual step change in, in productivity that can be brought. I mean, last I saw that was probably the iPhone, you know, yeah. where you like yeah. jump more while you're walking. That's kind the, of the, the level. Yeah. The, the, what's, what's super interesting to me is that I actually spend a bunch of time playing with it yesterday. You can go on, there's like a sandbox, you can play in it. And it, it it's hard to describe over a podcast how good it actually is. I mean, it's before it was like, hey, you know, okay, even the math problem we talked about, it wrote out the description of how it did it, but you could say, you know, okay, well, I know math problems. It takes her this time to do this, and you can program all of this. That, you, what you brought up is very impressive, don't get me wrong, but you could kind of be skeptical, but some of these other use cases that it's starting to do, right? And the way it's, like, and, and, and taking feedback and iterating on it. And the quality is solid. I mean, very, very good. You know, I, I was I was uh, messing with them. I was saying like, hey, write my boss a, um, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z, or write my boss an email about this, or, and it does it. I will write, you know, write my wife a message about how much uh, I love her. And and it writes this poem, okay? You're like, write a poem. Now make it rhyme. Now make, now make it do now it. And it's pretty good. And, and so, yeah, legal, professional services, developers, same thing. You can get the code and you can quickly debug it. And a lot of it's pre-written for you. <clears throat> and so we'll be able to do, and, and I don't know. The, I would say the other thing is I was, there, you know, there were, there were, there were good, good and bad about working at Microsoft. But when I was working at Microsoft, not good, this is 10 years ago, this is 2014 to 2017. But man, I remember some of the AI stuff we had then, at that point, computer vision was probably best in class. There were always these AI awards and Microsoft and Google and IBM essentially would always face off against each other. And Amazon, of course, but mostly it was Microsoft and Google with kind of IBM Watson as a third. Um, and it was, and, and Microsoft stuff was pretty damn good. And, and uh, I was, I didn't know who ran OpenAI and I was very pleasant surprised to see Microsoft as a gigantic contributor. But these guys, the deep, the AlphaGo with Google and, you know, the OpenAI with Microsoft and others, the, the, the caliber of people that work there to, to put these things up is literally the best in the world. Like the best, the best, the best in the world. And yeah, we're, I mean, I don't know, we're probably, before people fully embrace it and, and are comfortable with it, call it five years, but we're five years away from a massive explosion. Like this is what we've been talking about. This is what Kathy Woods is talking about. Once you trust this, that the AI is actually pretty good and you're able to kind of relax and let it do its first pass and you do the second pass, we're done. How was it driving a Tesla for the first time when on autopilot? Did it take a while to 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 learn to trust the car? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely uh, took a while. I mean, Tesla is still very far from being able to, uh, you know, just not touch the wheel. Uh, but, you know, my friend is working at a startup that does it in San Francisco where there's literally no driver. It's just like passengers and just like, it's like an Uber thing. It comes, picks you up, the doors open, you go in, the doors close and it just takes you wherever. That's like actually operational. So they're restricting it to only few parts of the city and only after like 8 p.m. or something. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I just in general, what, what's really exciting to me about the, the speech thing is that it's the first time where I think it can learn exponentially uh, because like we don't have to train it per se. <laughs> like, I think the biggest blocker in AI, even Tesla, the genius thing that Elon Musk did is build a really beautiful car and then basically people pay him to train his AI. Instead of like the Google solution, it was like they had to pay people, you know, minimum wage to drive the car around. And so it completely changes the, the unit economics of it. And so that's what's exciting about text. Like once it can provide a little bit of value for you, which in Tesla's example, the value is how beautiful the car is and maybe like saving money on gas. But like once it provides value to you, you can start training the system. So here, this is the first time I'm seeing actual value being provided by the GPT-3. And so now people will start interacting with it a lot and, and it will learn really quickly. So I think that's, that's the main kind of um, thing that blew my mind. Because like until now, you know, I was reading these blog posts created. It's like, okay, fine. But like if I could read it or not read it, I would choose to not read it. Like it's not actually interesting to me. Versus like, and what you said about the code, uh, the, the Twitter employee, what I found really fascinating, that example, it said, look, I used uh, code using uh, external libraries, but I also included some of Twitter's internal libraries that only you as an employee have access to. I thought that was pretty genius. You know, like- Can you say it again? Maybe I missed that, say it again. So when you import libraries and stuff into the code, uh, most of these libraries are open source. So it's just public, you know, anyone can download Python, download whatever uh, machine learning package. It's all free, it's all open source. But like it knew how to include internal Twitter packages. Yes, yes, only yes. Only available to Twitter employees because a Twitter employee asked the, the AI to, to do this. This is pretty amazing. Think yeah, of that, that was fun. You know, medicine and all of these things, like people don't know about medicine. The biggest problem is that people don't go to doctors. It's not that people go to doctors and they can't get their stuff treated. It's like that they don't go because it's expensive, because it takes time. Well, you know, if I have an AI at home that just like monitors everything that I'm eating, everything that I'm buying, uh, you know, it can monitor my movements and like actively just give me advice on how to be healthier. That's going to be a game changer in GDP. So do you mind if we pivot? We don't have too much time. We have like 15 more minutes. Why is this such a powerful thing in, in terms of the economy? So my point of view was just that, you know, how we've always been talking on this podcast of like, you have growth and then you have the debt and, and money printing to offset the debt. And as long as those two things are more or less on the same level, you're okay. But if the growth is less than the money printing, then you get inflation. And so I think this can be a tremendous engine of growth. And so who cares if we have 300% global debt to GDP? You know, if we can get the growth even 1% above the inflation, that's it. Now we just have to keep running for many years and, and the problem will get solved. So, you know, that, that that's why I titled this episode, GPT-3 will save the global debt problem. Because I think really the situation now is so bad that we need like, you know, eight, nine, ten percent year over year growth to grow ourselves out of this hole. 
And I think with this technology, mm -hmm. we can do it. Like I could see so many more industries being 10% more productive because of this GPT-3. Yeah, I mean, look, I, uh, uh, I hope so. And I hope it comes fast because man, oh man, do we need this cover right, to, to arrive. I think it's all going to be, the system needs to trust the AI to work. It needs to trust the AI's output is going to be good and not some bullshit, you know, towards the end of whatever. So I think it will take a few years. So maybe not immediately helpful for the current environment, but yeah. What happens something, let's say forget about the recession. Let's say we're in normal environment up and to the right and we're printing money. Inflation call it three to 4%. And then we have this AI boom. We start growing faster, right? Does inflation go down? Do we do we care about inflation at all at that point? Well, I mean, the, the, it it really depends on what the government does with uh, with the money printer. So, again, for for our listeners that might have missed the episode, if the money supply expands by ten percent per year and the productivity growth is 8% per year, inflation will be 10% minus 8% would be 2%. That would be the price inflation. So, so yeah, it's a function of both. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what the government will decide to do um, in, in the following years. But, um, but, I mean, again, regardless almost of what the governments decide to do and regardless of what inflation will be, uh, the debt to GDP will be solved if we grow faster than the interest rate, right? So if the interest rate on the debt is 5%, but we grow at 6%, it doesn't matter what the inflation is. You can pay off the debt. Basically, oh, man. GDP will shrink every year. But but yeah, let's see. I mean, we haven't had the biggest, I, I actually read up on this, the biggest productivity boost uh, until today was when Bill Clinton opened up the markets to uh, to China and signed NAFTA and all of that. That was like a huge, huge, huge boom to the economy. And you can really see it. Like you can see it, the 90s were a ph phenomenal time um, for, for economic growth. So maybe, maybe this is uh, the equivalent. Maybe this is the equivalent, but may, and maybe this, you know, hopefully AI can start accruing benefits to itself. And, and the, the, again, the, the other encouraging part for me is the feedback. You say, hey, your code needs to be more complex, and it takes a, an iterative, iterative pass about the same code, solving the same problem, making it more complex. What, how, when do you think this will all start to actually hit mainstream in a serious way? You know, like when... Uh, when when are we going to see AI fully start solving the world's problems? I mean, we already see a little bit of it on Gmail. When you write an email, it kind of can complete your sentences. Uh, so I expect that thing to be much, much better. Like now, for example, speech recognition is very good. Like even a year ago, it wasn't as good. I remember I sent you a message yesterday. I was just recorded and just appeared perfectly on the uh, on the phone. So... I think more, it, it, it won't be like a zero to one moment. It will be like more and more. Just remember the first iPhone was really shitty. Uh, I don't know what was the first killer app for, for an iPhone. Like, was it Facebook or something or Instagram? Maps? Maps? No, I mean, not the stuff that comes with the iPhone, but like someone who built Facebook. It. Facebook. Yeah. So, so what's that moment where we can actually have a killer app for AI? Because I think completing sentences on emails, it's not, it's nice to have, but it's not like there yet. It's and not, like engineers yeah. are not really going to use it to, to, to write code. 
but um, but I don't know, maybe completing code. I mean, if any of our listeners is an engineer, please uh, let us know, reach out. Uh, would you be comfortable just like having an AI complete the code for you and then you just go over it to make sure that it's okay? Would that save you a lot of time? I mean, if you can hire one engineer instead of three, just think of the deflation <laughs> course that you're going to do, you know? Or sure. like in medicine. I don't know. I haven't seen anything. This This is the first time I actually got excited about any of that stuff. Because like until now, it's a lot of hype but there was no actual working product. Yeah, no, this is this is very, very cool. Very, very, very cool. I think very revolutionary. And I just hope, I just hope that all of our thesis that we've been talking about, you know, it's not that it's going to come in five or 10 years. It's going to come sooner than that. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I just, this is such a fun, it's so, it's exciting. It's fun to see this uh, in the middle of, especially all this bearishness to see, a technology truly breaking through. Yeah, and I've seen, uh, for example, architects are using this to create like uh, structures. Can you imagine if we start seeing like buildings designed by AI? And uh, the other thing is like the young generation now, it will start, you know, being exposed to these things. So A, it will encourage them to study technical fields in STEM, uh, which is very important. And, and also it will kind of, uh, I think they'll be able to come up with things that we can't even think about, uh, you know, yeah. the, the young generation. So it's like, who knows? I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I just wanted to say that this is one of the first times that I'm seeing kind of signs of hope. Because, like, look at the energy market, pretty depressing. Healthcare, pretty depressing. Uh, you know, even tech these days, I mean, nothing really. Depressing. No, like, come on. Elon Musk took over Twitter. It's not like he suddenly you can do payments in it. It's just like moderation. He changed the moderation policy a little bit. That's no, but he, but but no, but it's iterative. He will create payments. He will add. I know, payments. I know. But I'm saying I'm waiting to actually see something in yeah. market. You know, since Google invented the search engine and then the iPhone, it's pretty much it. What else has happened? I mean, Amazon did a lot of logistics. It's pretty cool that you know I can get stuff delivered immediately, but. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's tech per se, or that's just, you know, yeah. logistics. No, this is a big step change in tech, legitimate big step change in tech for sure. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just very exciting to see for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we, we would love to hear from our listeners. What do you guys think? Yeah. Is this exciting? Is it more vaporware? And, uh, and yeah, let us know. Tell us about your AI experiences. Yep. Perfect. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, it was good to catch up, Alex. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, please like us and subscribe to our content. We're seeing really nice uh, increase in downloads recently. So hopefully, um, you know, the algorithm, the AI of uh, Apple Podcasts is picking up on the, the quality content that we produce here. Woo! AI. Awesome. See you all later. See you later. Bye.